This is Homestyle Green, episode number 23. G'day, Matthew Cutler-Welsh here from Homestyle Green. I am a sustainable housing expert and I want to create healthy, efficient homes that don't cost the earth. And you are someone who wants to help me out to do that very thing. Uh, maybe you are a tradesperson or a designer or someone who's interested or working in the building industry to provide goods and services around making homes better. Uh, just back from Sydney last week, visiting and indeed speaking at the Green Cities 2013. Great event, really interesting stuff going on over there. Um, won't go into too much detail right now because I'm going to get on to the interview which has already been delayed a couple of weeks. Um, but the main out- outtakes from that for me was I really want to focus on the similarities that we have in our building sector here. Uh, the um, similarities from us, uh, as compared to Australia because I think we tend to focus on the differences and we kind of think of ourselves as pretty unique down here in New Zealand and really Sure, we have got uh, one or two unique things going on, but in a, in a lot of ways, our houses are very similar and our problems are very similar. And that was one thing that struck me, that there's a lot of expertise that can be shared, not just in Australia, but around the region as well, and probably and, and overseas uh, wider than that. Uh, got one, one great interview. I took the microphone along, and um, one of the uh, sessions that I attended really sparked my interest. A little bit... Uh, on a tangent around um, doing some very cool stuff with very underprivileged people in India. So I'm going to bring that uh, interview to you probably next week. I want to pick up this week on an interview from a couple of weeks ago with Sean Taylor, who is an architect, and, and Sean's very passionate about helping people to create healthy homes, um, not least because she was trained as an architect in Cardiff, and like many people, when they come from overseas and, and colder climates to New Zealand, she's pretty appalled at the state of some of our houses. Luckily for us, Sean was pretty keen to do something about that. And as after working with some pretty prestigious architectural firms like Warren Amani, has been working for the last year with Green Being, which is a great firm down in Queenstown. Sean is grown a bit of a business uh, there's growing demand for people wanting houses that are better than building code and has recently um, branched out and is starting a new company so um, check out the uh, links in the in the notes the new company is team green architects and I'll put a link to that um, in the show notes plus also have a listen in Sean's got a couple of great book recommendations at the end of this interview so have a listen out for that and also I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that there was a question from a listener about cost and the cost benefit equation um, concern over really want to do some great stuff in my home but am I going to see a financial return on that uh, in, in the probably average of seven years that I'm going to stick around in that house and are those improvements going to be valued by the next owner when I come to sell that home. And and Sean's got a really good way of dealing with that cost issue because it does come up. They are talking about higher performing homes here and um, and she often has that conversation pretty early on with some of her customers. So have a listen into how Sean deals with that. All right, enough from me. Um, great to have you listening and hope you enjoy this interview. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, welcome back. It's uh, Matthew Cutler-Welsh here from Homestyle Green. And with me today in Queenstown is Sean Taylor. Now, Sean is a architect and um, who did her training in Wales and has worked with Warren Amani, one of the uh, prominent architectural firms in, in New Zealand, arguably, and uh, has also worked with Green Being, who specialise in e energy efficient design and is also a passive, a certified passive house um, professional. But I'm going to let Sean talk about that. Sean, done a little bit of introduction there. Can you tell us a little bit about more about your yourself and including what what inspired you or what what's your motivation for doing what it is that you do? Okay. Um... Well, as you said, I trained in, in Wales, so my background is obviously in the UK, and I came across to New Zealand somewhere between seven or eight years ago now, and moved straight to Queenstown, which um, isn't the warmest place in winter, no. and, um, um, and was immediately um, shocked by... I think I came here actually very close to the winter, so I was immediately shocked by the fact that firstly we had plug-in wall gas heaters and that everyone was just so freezing the whole time um, and was living in some sort of fuel poverty and couldn't actually afford to heat their houses properly. Yeah. Um, what so sort of what sort of temperature was it? Oh, it gets down, like most... Every winter, even still, even with our house, um, which we, 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 we now own, so have done as much as we can to it, we still have ice on some of the windows on the inside in the, the winter. Inside. Right. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't know what the constant sort of outdoor, but it's, it's easily sort of down to minus six, minus seven, um, a lot of the mornings. Yeah. And, um, and you mentioned, you yeah. mentioned plug-in wall... Uh, gas heaters. That that's unflued gas heaters that you you plug into a little yeah. socket. Yeah, yeah, that's quite quite normal. Which is just so third world. I couldn't get my head right why a first world country would be would be working like this or and, living and you, like and this. You, and you seal up the windows at the same time to uh, to get it nice and warm while you're un unventing. Uh... Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> it's just crazy. But also things like, you know, everyone's got an electric blanket. I know two people in Queenstown whose houses have burnt down because of you because of leaving an electric wow. blanket on. Yeah. Um, you know, you just don't come across things like that in the UK anymore unless you're living in some ancient sort of mansion somewhere. Yeah. Um, and same with hot water bottles. So that to, the, to start with was a massive shock to the system right but I think the biggest thing also was that my first job was with um, a really amazing local architect John Blair um, but almost everybody I met and, and still meet who worked in the architecture profession that the level of um, um, training and detail that is required to to pass through building code in New Zealand is so minimal compared to um, anywhere in Europe and most of the rest of the um, first world 
um, that we're just not trained. So things like I remember asking what U values we would need for for insulation, what was the requirement? And of course, no one really knew the answer to that because yeah. it wasn't wasn't really that clear. Whereas you just go and I buy just, it from the from the from Bunnings or from placemaking. Exactly. Yeah, you just put what you can in. Don't really worry about it. And I mean, I just come from the UK where since I left, things have gone obviously much um, closer to where they're ending up, which will be fully passive house or new buildings. But we were on the way there and every six years, the building code was getting stricter and stricter. So you were enforced to to be aware of and to know what thermal bridging was or what what levels of insulation you needed and um, the different types of insulation and thickness and so on, which it just was wasn't even considered and it was a much colder climate so it just didn't seem to make any sense yeah so that's a really interesting point because you say uh quite rightly i think that the new zealand building new zealand building code is not very stringent and yet one of the big fears at the moment is around increasing the costs of compliance so the thought of making it more stringent or more complicated probably makes a lot of builders and uh, people in the industry a bit nervous. How yeah. how has that been resolved? Do you see a, a pathway through that or how has that been resolved yeah. overseas? I, I do. I mean, I'm not an economist and I don't, I'm a, don't sort of understand how all these things work, but um, I, I would say from personal experience, um, having, having sort of, worked with some amazing architects in 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 New Zealand um and obviously we're we're working in um often a sort of high-end residential market but in addition to that since working for um Green Being and uh, now our new company um Team Green we are um we're not always working for the high-end market so we're working for a house which um might be more around the 500,000 mark. And I know that it basically what it, what it comes down to is, is the designer taking a lot more time and care resolving a lot of these issues. Um, Just even down to things like where most engineers will, if if you need some sort of structure, the easiest thing to do is throw probably a steel portal frame or something which involves steel. Yeah. But steel is a massive thermal conductor of heat. So all it takes is the engineer to think outside of the box and think, okay, what's, what's a different way to resolve this? Um, and the same with the architect is to actually think, okay, this detail here is going to be a massive thermal bridge because I'm not going to have any insulation at this point. So right. how, can I, how can I avoid that? But So I guess what I'm coming to is that we've, we've proven just in one year that we are – more than capable of designing houses which are for, I would say, the general market of New Zealand um, at a reasonable cost per square meter that are highly energy efficient. They won't be fully passive house standards, but they'll be far and above what is the building code minimum and not um, going above the cost. So you make decisions very early on. Um, One of those key decisions is, is the sort of scale and um, footprint of the house yep. so um, the easiest thing for an architect to do if you've got the amazing views that you've got in Queenstown is to um, 
take a a building and just sort of spread it out and have views yeah. from every window. Which nice south-facing windows. Yeah. <laughs> which is a bad thing here for those in the Northern Hemisphere. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's just thinking a little bit differently and thinking, okay, we didn't need to 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 do that. We can achieve what we need to achieve in a different way and with a, a lower surface area to volume ratio. So right from the beginning, you're designing with um, the energy efficiency and the thermal comfort of that house in mind and not just from the easiest solution. Lower so I surface, it, can I just... Um, um, Pick up on, on that point, yeah. lower surface area to volume ratio. What does that mean? Yeah. Uh, well, just uh, I always explain it. Um, we we sort of run through this. We get different clients coming in, and clients will either be completely on top of what all the, um, I guess, passive house or various levels of sustainability. Um, but some clients will come in, and they just think, actually, I just want to be warm, and so they don't really know much at all. So what I explain to them is if if you're cold, you don't if you're sort of in water and you're cold, you don't um sort of stay there in the water with your arms and legs spread out as far as you can. Right. You huddle up really tightly yep. because you're minimizing and same, you know, if you're in bed at night and you're absolutely freezing cold, which happens quite a lot in Queenstown. <laughs> and there's up, ice on the inside. Yeah. Huddle up close to re restrict your surface area so to your volume and the same is true for a house the, more, the bigger you're spreading out the more area you've got to heat or right. more volume you've got to heat yep. and the harder it is and the same with you know a wall of south facing windows yep um so small compact design yeah but that's not to say i mean it'd be good to show you some of the designs because we've got some amazing houses which it, it, you don't have to be restricted. I guess that's a that's a, a fundamental principle when you're looking at um, reducing cost. But it doesn't mean we've got some houses which are really massive scale, which are just beautiful, which wouldn't be any different to something I would have designed with Warren and Marnie or um, anyone else. Yep. But they. They're just using different details and so it's, um, it's, the, them... it's the ratio that's important, not not just the the um, total size. Yeah, it's the ratio and the detailing. Yeah, can I just yeah. come back? You mentioned also um, targeting a, a a reasonable cost per square meter. Have you? Uh -huh. Can you give us any numbers around that? Um, I would say the the best um, we've we've sort of done this year would be around 2,200, 2,300. Right. Um, and that, that, uh, just to give you, um, another sort of scale that we, that we work to, um, uh, we, when we model a, a house in our region that is code minimum, um, it comes in somewhere between 150 to 200 kilowatt hours per meter squared per annum. Hang on, um, writing and this I, down. 150, yeah. 150 to kilowatt hours per, square per meter, meter squared per annum. So from that, you can sort of work out what your electricity bill would be. So if you've got a 300 square meter house, yep. you can 
times that by 150 or 200, whatever it came out at, yeah. and work out what your and times it by your kilowatt hour cost, which is I think around 0.28 cents a kilowatt hour or something. I yep. can't actually remember, but so you can work out your energy use for the year to, and that is basically to heat your house to 20 degrees in all rooms at all times. Yep. And sometimes it's not it's not achievable with the sort of houses that are code minimum. But our, our sort of self-imposed standard is that we will design houses to be 50 or below. So when you look at passive house, it's actually 15. So it's 10 times better than what is code minimum. Right. But we look at we look at 50 as our threshold, and and depending on the client and how far they want to go move towards passive house. Um, and I guess their budget or just, just where they sit in their sort of um, their thinking and so on, we, we just come closer to that 15. So in, in looking at the cost per square metre, you try and have a conversation about the running costs as well as the upfront outlay. Well, that that's the primary. That's where I talk about the fifty because that's the that's the easiest thing for them to to go away and understand. So if they've come to us and said we want, I mean, different people want different scale houses. So someone might want a hundred and fifty square meter house, but if we say we're fifty or below, you they can get an understanding of what their annual um, heating bill will be. Yeah, right. Yep. So did you say fifteen kilowatt hours? Per square meter, the passive house target. So, yeah. just uh, if I've done my numbers right here, 150 kilowatt hours per per um, meter squared per year. Um, yeah. About 300 square meter house, which is a reasonable size house. Um, that comes out to eleven thousand dollars for um, 25 cents per kilowatt hour, uh, which is a good chunk of change. Um, and and yeah. if you consider that you could potentially bring that down to uh, like you say a tenth of that, that's a, a, a quite a significant saving over yeah. a, even a five year period. Yeah, and and the thing the thing too um, which we talk to the clients about too is that what we're talking about there is is heating the house, all the all the um, space heating of the house, so the whole volume of the house right. to twenty degrees throughout the year and. Most houses you go into, which are designed to code minimum, will be um, will never come anywhere near 20 yeah. degrees, yeah. and that that comes back to a combination of fuel poverty and not being able to achieve anything close to that. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but I mean, 300 square meters. You're quite right. That's a large area, but a lot of the residential market in Queenstown is around that 300 square meters. Right. Because there's a lot of dream homes being built, yeah. which get built, and then people realise that they've got no means of keeping themselves warm. Yeah. So five yeah. years down the track, they sort of think, "What was I doing?" And yeah, yeah. ten years down the track, kind of downside. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, hey, look, there, there's lots of issues um, there. We, we have um, briefly mentioned passive house, which we um, we could probably talk for hours about, but we won't. Because um, it, yeah. it's quite a big issue, and I, I'm pleased to say it's kind of raised its head again uh, just recently in um, in Brands Build magazine, um, where there's yeah. quite a heated debate going on there. Um, yeah. Look, I, let's let's just move on from that 
for the moment. What do you think is, the, if you had to sort of sum up the, the, the single biggest problem that you currently see with the way that we typically build houses in New Zealand, what, what would you say is, is the biggest problem? Um, there's so many. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Where would I start? Um, single biggest problem. I guess the single biggest problem is that New Zealand doesn't have the government or brands really backing and, and pushing towards something better. Yeah. Or that, I guess that's how it feels when we're in an industry or part of the industry where we are trying to do things better. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you don't, it doesn't feel like you're, we're being led in the right way. Right. So it's a, um, it's a large systemic problem, not, not necessarily a specific technical problem. Oh, definitely, because there's so many things and we get people coming in all the time and saying, oh, well, what if I just shove another 100 mil insulation in the wall, then I'll be fine, which yeah. is, is just not the case because you have to look at the house as a whole and yeah. there's there's limits to what you can do in every aspect of the house where it becomes, there's no point going any further on that without having addressed all these other problems. Yeah. So, and that's what we look at when we go and look at existing houses with people and and they want to know what they can do. And there becomes a point where it, the housing stock is so poor um, that basically you've got you've got very little to work with. Yeah. So you end up having to knock it down, which is just so unsustainable. It's, yeah. it's ridiculous. Yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm someone who's interested in, in building a new house um, and I don't, know much about the the process um what what's the what's one piece of advice that you would offer me if i'm about to start a, a new build or a renovation um what would i advise you um apart, I, from, apart from calling team green yeah <laughs> um well, again, it, there's so many different factors. I'd, I'd say you, you should... Oh, that's a difficult one. I mean, I could go on for hours about the things I could tell you to do. But, you, I mean, one of the things that's not understood in New Zealand is, is air tightness. Yeah. Um, and, and that's something which we do in every single one of our houses and is fundamental to, to what we do. Um, and... And, and as I said before, I mean, most, I would say that 80% of our houses will not be passive house standard. They yep. will be using principles such, such as air tightness, but um, not reaching that standard. Um, but even so, we're able to, to show that these houses are far better from a thermal performance. So I guess one of the big things would be to, if you, were, if you are designing new houses, to find out um, does your designer or architect have any sort of thermal mod modeling software to really give you an accurate understanding of what, how your house will perform? Right. Yep. Um, and if they and, say, yeah, yeah, we get H1 compliance. Yeah. Then you just laugh at them <laughs> because H1 compliance is so ridiculous. Yeah. I, I think so, that's a I, I think that is a good piece of advice because that, um, Capability is so available now. It's yeah, not that it hard is to, to get to yeah. find. Exactly, we use um, we use a number of things, but one of the easiest things, if 
anyone's using Archicad is is the eco designer. Yeah. So you've got your building already, and you can just as long as you've modelled it correctly, you can work out your energy usage. Yep. Yep. Or you could even use um, Homestar. Yeah. Yeah, you can. Although there's not so much energy usage in that. No, there isn't, but uh, it does It does now show, um, if you have an assessor who uses Homestar, it does now show an estimate of the kilowatt hours um, oh, for, the, for the heat load. Um, and then you, yeah. can play, you can play around with different um, ventilation rates and, and um, th oh, um, cool. thermal mass and, and R values to see uh, what impact that has on the, um, the it, it's not, it won't be as accurate as something like Accurate or um, Archicad, but it does give a, a pretty good idea of what the priority should be. Hey, um, yeah. had a, I'm um, quickly running out of time, Sean. We, we could obviously yeah. go on for uh, more. I'm um, two more questions. One is, are you seeing some positive signs out there in, in the marketplace in New Zealand right now? Oh, definitely, hugely. Um, I mean, I've, it's been quite incredible. Um, I think I said to you before, I I sort of joined Green Bean to start the um, architecture side of the firm almost exactly a year ago and our team has grown from from one desk with my little sign saying architecture department to <laughs> five full-time employees um uh, actually five and a half full-time employees five and um, a half. A, yeah and a and a, a massive sort of um program of work ahead which um it's just fantastic. So um, it's not uh, there's there's not one person I think who's come through the door that we haven't um, convinced that um, this is something they need to take into consideration. And um, and so I would say that sustainability and um, energy efficiency are something that I would say most people are aware of and are keen to to do something properly. Um, to achieve, um, right. and that's I think that's changing all the time, and it's been proven by what we've done. So. Awesome. I mean, that, that is yeah. that's, a, that's a very impressive growth rate, and it obviously means that you guys are doing something very well, and uh, and there's also a, a growing market for it. So um, that's that's very good news. Um, yeah. Now, what uh, have you got a um, a book or a, a blog or a website that uh, is inspiring that you think others should read? Um, I, I think the Lorax and Ishmael are, are great books to get anyone thinking about sustainability and what, what we're really all trying to achieve, because I think there's so many, um, different sort of factions out there of people trying to do it in a different way, but really we're all trying to, we're all trying to achieve the same thing, which is not destroying this planet and not being selfish and um, considering the footprint that we're all um, making. Yeah. Um, and books like that, I think, are very simple ways of explaining the impact that humans have on the planet and the fact that really, without thinking about it every day and everything that we do, um, it's just never going to get better. And it's a massive issue that we've all got to take seriously which even in my own life and things getting busy and the business inside of things is getting busy and obviously I'm trying to do a business that helps the environment but yeah. you know life takes over and you forget sometimes yeah. the fundamental things that you should be doing not biggering and biggering exactly 
Awesome. So that was the, the Lorax, uh, obviously Dr. Zeus and Ishmael, which I think uh, is Dan, Daniel Quinn. Um, yeah. And I, I'll yeah. put I'll put up a couple of links to those so people can find them. Um, oh. All right, uh, Chandler. Hey, look, thank you very much for your time. So I really appreciate it. How can people get in touch with you if they want to find out more or if they want to use your or your team's services? Uh, they can find us, um, Team Green Architects. Um, limited, we'll, which will be a website that we will be very shortly setting up. Yep. But um, also our, our company, um, Green Being um, Limited, which um, is engineers and energy modelling. So yep. both so of those. So we'll look out. Sites. We'll look out for that new uh, the new website of uh, Team Green yeah. Architects. Yeah. And you're available for, uh, do you do most work in Queenstown or do you do work across the uh, whole country? No, no, we're, we're across the country. Right. Um, I would say most of the work is currently in the South Island, but um, we are working on um, as um, consultants, both from energy modelling and Homestar and Passive House in the, um, in the North Island, as well as the South Island. So, Brilliant. yeah. Excellent. Hey, well, thank you very much. Cool. We'll, uh, we'll catch up Thank again you. soon. Yeah. Nice one. And that was Sean Taylor, registered architect in Queenstown and a growing team down there, which is fantastic. It's great to, that there's a obviously an increasing demand for the great work that they do, not just in Queenstown, but across the whole country. I will put up the links to Shan's company, but also the great two books that she referred to there, um, Ishmael by Daniel Quinn, which I've actually read, actually. I read it, um, my mum gave it to me um, a few years ago, and she said it was a bit odd, um, but I really liked it. It's a bit of a fable, um, interesting story. Enough said, go and check it out. It's probably not um, too expensive. I might even put a, a, a um, affiliate link up to Amazon so you can grab uh, grab yourself a copy. And the Lorax. Who doesn't love the Lorax? Everyone should read the Lorax. It should have a copy in every house. Uh, of course, by Dr. Zeus, and I'll put a link up to that as well. I saw the movie last year with uh, Ruby, who was five at the time. She loved it. Um, I probably loved it even more. So I would have to agree with Sean there. Fantastic story. And always relevant, continues to be relevant. We used to read that to our students at Outward Bound, actually. 18-year-olds um, used to think we were a bit strange, but they got it. They realized that everything that you need to know is pretty much in that story. Um, look, that's enough for this week. Thank you very much for tuning in. Like I said at the beginning, please um, do get in touch with your comments, questions, or queries. You can find me or email me directly, comments at homestylegreen.com. You can also find us on Facebook, we're also on Google+, and check out our videos over at YouTube as well. And I'd love to get some ratings and also quick reviews. doesn't take very long on iTunes. All you need to do is head over onto, into, into iTunes, look up the podcast in there, you just do a search for Homestyle Green. And when you're there, you can click on the little stars to rate the show, and you can then also just leave a one-line comment you do need to register and log in. You just need a. You can just use your Apple ID or iTunes login, and if you do that, then uh, it'd be great to to find out who you are and uh, and to get some feedback there. 
the benefit of doing that is it helps people find the show, which helps more people to build healthier, more efficient homes. And that, in the end of the day, helps us all. So it'd be great uh, to get a little bit more exposure there. Thank you very much. And tune in again next week to Homestyle Green. Thanks a lot. Thank you.